Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the US as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships. So you grew up without a dad in your home or really influencing your life. Are you like telling me something I don't know? (laughs) No, I'm asking a question. Did that make you sad or mad growing up? What did it feel like? Uh, Yeah, both. Hmm. Extremely sad. I can remember laying in bed at night as a 12, 13-year-old boy praying to a God I didn't believe in. Why would you take my dad? I mean, he didn't die. He left, but I sort of wanted to blame God for him not being there. And then as I got older, mad, Mm -hmm. you know, like, why did you leave? And felt like I really, really miss something. Yeah, it's been interesting for me to watch you as a dad because that was always in your head, I think. Well, the thing that shocked me that I didn't understand until later was the power of a father. Yeah. Because I sort of thought, because I didn't have a dad, I wouldn't copy my dad. And then as I became a young man, and even when we got married, I was like, oh, my goodness. I am doing things that I never even saw my dad do because he wasn't there, but I know he did. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, wow, the power of a father is powerful. And now I'm a dad, and I realized I am going to impact my boys in a way I don't even understand. So I want to do it right. Mm. Do you feel like we're in a culture today that men need help in this area? Oh, we've always needed help, but yeah. more than ever. Mm-hmm. And we've got help in the studio today. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, we have John Tyson, who's a father and a pastor and an author. And I mean, as I read your book, it feels like you have a visceral emotional feeling about fatherhood. John, welcome to Family Life Today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes, I do. I, I have a father's heart and uh, I think that comes just from the wonder of having kids and yes some of my own brokenness and certainly as a pastor over the years just watching thousands of men deal with father issues it's like this is a huge need we got to talk about it we've got to do something about yeah, it. yeah and, and our listeners probably are like this dude has an accent you know where's that come from um, tell us a I, little I, bit of your story okay I grew up in Australia uh, I was born in Melbourne lived in Perth for eight years and then basically came of age in a city called Adelaide. And it's sort of like the Napa Valley of Australia. It's, it's famous really for wines. It's probably the most famous thing. I became a Christian the weekend I turned 17 in a Pentecostal youth revival. Hmm. Felt a call to come to the U.S. and serve God that felt like a some sort of missionary call. Very weird. I told my youth pastor. I remember him saying, why would God send you to America? It's filled with Christians. (laughs) And uh, when I was 20, I got a scholarship to study theology and uh, moved over, met my wife uh, doing the campus orientation tour. I saw her and just remember thinking, focusing in Bible college will be harder than I anticipated. (laughs) And then, you know, fell in love and got married. And we were both a little older. She had lived on her own. You know, I'd lived on my own I bought a house when I was 19. So long story, I dropped out of high school when I was 16 to work. And uh, so I had like a very visionary boss who had this life plan for me. Hmm. And I became a Christian in the middle of his plan for my life. But it was basically about getting ahead. And so we were older students. And I think we bonded around that. We didn't want to have a typical freshman experience. We weren't trying to get away from our parents. And we were trying to get on with our lives. So connected, got married pretty close to right away, and then had kids right away. And we've been 
at it ever since. We moved to New York 16 years ago to plant a church. And so I've been in uh, pastoring in Manhattan that entire time, including through the pandemic. And then we've recently become empty nesters. My son's 21, my daughter's 18. And yeah, I'm here to talk about that process of raising my son in particular and some of the things I learned as a part of that. Talk about your relationship with your dad. Like, why is this a passion for you? You know, my dad is, uh, in the book, I talk about five kinds of fathers. By the way, we read it yeah. and it, it's inspiring. I read uh, Robert Lewis's Raising a Modern Day Night when yeah. I was a young dad, and yeah. it really gave me a pathway to raise my sons. Yeah. And I feel like this is just as powerful in a new day. Mm. I mean, seriously, I was telling Anne when I was reading, I was like, I don't know anybody writing like this, John. This mm. was not only inspirational, but a very hands-on, here's a pathway to do it. So Practical. The title is called The Intentional Father, A Practical Guide to Raise Sons of Courage and Character. And I don't even know what question we ask you, but I want to you ask you this. You asked me about my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, go there. My dad is a good and godly man. Hmm. My dad is a quiet man. He's a prayerful man. I mean, the start of the book like to my father, Ian Tyson, whose prayers have carried me this far. That is true. My dad prays for me every day. Hmm. He prayed me out of rebellion. He prayed me home. Mm-hmm. Went after me in prayer and fasting in my rebellious years. My grandfather was a very accomplished missionary in India, had an incredibly supernatural ministry, mm. could see the spiritual realm for the rest of his life. It was very, very interesting to be around. He could live with us in our later years. He was an old school British missionary, which meant he was amazing at missions and terrible at fatherhood. Mm. Dump your kids in a boarding school. If you love your family more than me, you're not worthy of me. So my dad grew up in India, developed a condition where he would sleepwalk at night trying to find his family. They would find him walking around. Like what's going on in your head as a kid Yeah. if you're doing that in your dreams? Right. I want to honor my grandfather's legacy, which in many ways was like there's there's thousands at this point, probably hundreds of thousands of people in the kingdom of God Hmm. because of his work. But he had a massive flaw, which is he was a terrible father. So he didn't give my dad what my dad needed. My dad never got a sex talk, never got a talk about money, never got any practical advice about how to grow up. So uh, his brothers tried to fill in those gaps, and I think they did a pretty clumsy job. So my dad was resolved to do better than his dad. Hmm. And my dad did so much better than his dad. But he, there was still some stuff he didn't have. He didn't have some of the tools he needed, particularly for a kid like me. You know, I was a handful growing up. And so my dad did everything he knew, and there was some stuff I needed that he didn't know how to do. And so when it came to me being a father, I was like, okay, I've got to try and break some generational stuff off here. I don't want to react. I've got to figure out a way how to do this. And it started me on a huge journey of reading and interviewing men to try and understand, like, how do you get this right? One of the things I, I learned reading all of this stuff was quite simple. There was almost no books about Here's how to do it. There was dozens of books on like wounded men seeking healing and very few that were like, here's how to do it. And then when I did read those books, here's how to do it. I was like, this is not enough. Hmm. Like a camping trip in a few talks is a thousand times better than what most kids get, but it's not enough. You've got, particularly during adolescence, six plus years with these kids. You're going to have to have a plan for like every day and every week. Formation happens in big breakthrough events, but it happens in the everyday moments. And so I basically realized, which actually stunned me. 
It's like, how can we be at this point in church history, 2,000 years in, and this is not a normal part of the evangelical tradition? Why is it that it's so rare to meet a son that says, my father raised me into a man, he did a great job, and I'm a healthy, functional adult because of it? Why is that an exception, not the norm? Mm. And so I was saddened to have to write this book. I was shocked that there wasn't like 20 options like this. I would have just used them. And yeah. so I felt like, man, I've got a sort of one of my gifts is like reading widely, synthesizing it, and then turning it into tools. And I felt like, okay, I think I need to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, some of my backstory and some of what informed the writing of this book. Well, yeah. Dave, I feel like for you, you knew, and maybe this is true of a lot of men, and like your dad, John, like he knew how to build God's kingdom. And that's for you, Dave. I think a lot of men, you knew how to build a career but when it came to how do you build a family when I've never seen it done, mm. I think that's a hard lesson to learn. And most men don't have any idea. Yeah, I don't know what percentage maybe you do, John, would be in that category. But I was definitely that guy. I didn't have a dad, obviously. Mm. And so I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't have a Christian background. Mm. So then when I got married, I was like, what is a Christian man? What's a Christian husband? What's a Christian dad? What do you do? So I did what you did. I, I started asking men. Mm. I want to acknowledge that I think there's a lot of pain in men's hearts that gets glossed over. A, they're not willing to be vulnerable with it. B, our culture doesn't respect men, and Mm. oftentimes for good reason. But you talk to most men and below the surface, I mean, Thoreau said, you know, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. I mean, that continues to be true. There's a lot of pain under the surface. And when you peel back the roof, you often get a lot of dads who are just like, I don't know how to do it, and I feel like I'm getting nagged on this. And if I knew how to do it, I'd do it. This is not a will issue. Like, I would do this if I knew how to. And, you know, like, there can be a lot of shame when you know you should be doing something that you don't know how to do and you want to do it, but you don't know how to get the help and you're just scrambling and you know the stakes are so high. It's a high-pressure environment. It was interesting. I I recently did a a message to men, and I made this comment. exactly what you said, John. I said, men have lats. And I go, you think I'm talking about these big, you know, abs I have right here under my pecs. I'm talking L-A-T-S. They're lonely, they're angry, they're tired, they're stressed. And I started talking about the loneliness of us men. We say we have friends, but we really don't. There's a sense of anger because we're carrying so much stuff. Nobody seems to know. We're tired. You know, whatever. I had more response of people reaching out and saying, hey, can we talk about that lats thing? Because mm. it resonated with men in the room. What you mm. just said is like we do feel this sense of, I'm supposed to be the man. I'm supposed to be this dad, this husband. I don't know what that looks like. Is that what you found? Yeah, and it's – I don't know why there's not some sort of great tradition that is handed down, even inside the church. It's like why does it feel like every generation has to rediscover this? Mm. Why do we always feel like we're starting at zero, like the conversation is back at the ground floor? Right. I think it's probably part of the enemy's plan, to be honest with you, which is to, you know, to not build generational influence and impact make every generation start at zero so there's nothing to carry over. I think that's probably a huge part of it. But and I think even increasingly, I don't know if you saw these the latest articles, uh, there's one about how China raised men versus how the U.S. is raising mm-hmm. men that's getting a ton of attention. The other one on like young men being lost in college, like we're moving into a world that is not designed for men in many ways. And I want to be very clear here. I, I'm not talking like poor men or poor men. I want to acknowledge the very real pastoral pain that is under all of the cultural issues that we banter around. And uh, so I think, you know, almost every church is scrambling to do men's ministry right. It just feels perpetually, like, I don't know if you've experienced this, like the curriculum's out of date. I've never found anyone (laughs) who says, like, no, the curriculum's right on. 
We got it. It's always like, oh, it's dated. It's dated. I don't know what it is. I honestly think it's like probably the enemy's plan. And so I'm, I'm glad we're able to like re-up one more time and, uh, you know, sort of yeah. address these things and hopefully build some generational legacy. Yeah. So talk about where you started. I mean, you've got a son. You're trying to be this intentional dad. Yes. Define where you started. Well, I mean, it, it honestly started, we were living in Dallas and I was coming back and this is a, a, a shared moment every father has coming back from uh, the doctor where they said, do you want to know, you know, do you want to know the gender of your kid? And I was like, yes. And I said, it's a boy. And I just remember driving, I was working as a butcher at Albertsons in Texas. And I remember in Plano, Texas, I remember driving back through Plano going, well, I, I don't think I have what it takes. Like I don't. I, I don't know how to get this kid into adulthood. And I was a youth pastor at the time as well, so I was very, very aware mm. of the brokenness of some of the kids in the youth group. We did, you know, we picked these kids up in our minivan, and I just was like, I saw what uh, absentee fatherhood and what poor parenting did. Mm. And I was like, I don't know if I, I want to do better. So it started with a deep sense of resolve, but I felt completely overwhelmed. And I think the journey began there. I said, this book is for one particular kind of dad. Here's who it is. If you're overwhelmed but determined, this is your book. Mm -hmm. If you're like doing great, God bless you. Keep going. But if you're not determined, it'll be too hard for you because there's a real task at hand. But if you're like determined and overwhelmed, I'm like, I've written this book for you. You want to get it right. You, you're like, I will do whatever it takes. I've got a plan in the past to help with that. So, yeah, that was birthed in my heart. I think one of the things I read, and this was an old Stephen Covey thing, that was like maybe the, the one thing I got right for both of my kids. I remember Covey saying, you need to give each of your kids one night a week and it needs to be their time. They set the agenda. And so I did that with both of my kids like fairly consistently their entire lives. And so people talk about like having date night. And I was like, you're going to have time with your kids like that. And the whole goal was to develop this sacred bond. And I felt like as long as I have an emotional and relational attachment, we'll be able to process and get through everything. And so I worked so hard for so many years to build that willingness for my son to spend time with me. Because a lot of people say, like, how do I get a 13-year-old son to enter into a multi-year, like, male formation journey? And I was like, I used to take my son to Waffle House in a car carrier. Yeah. <laughs> and then when he was one, we'd go. When he was two, so we just kept that tradition our entire lives. And this book is not a promise that everything will work out fine. My son went through some very hard times. Dad, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't think following Jesus is worth it. But I had that relational connection to say, thanks for sharing that with me. Let's talk about that. Like, what about following Jesus is not worth it? You know, and on the surface, I looked probably pretty calm. And then I well, left the room and wept and started a 40-day fast. And was like, God, I call forth my son's destiny. You know, super intense behind the scenes. But I developed it, developed a bond that enabled it to work. So that was, I think, the one thing I knew. If this is in place, I can probably handle anything as long as I maintain this. So, yeah, that sort of started when he was born. Now, you've raised a son and daughter. Is it different? Yes. Oh, I know this, this book is for fathers and sons, but... Is well, it different yes, with, a, so, with, a, with a girl? Yeah, it is. So my, my wife pulled me aside in the early days. So I, I originally called this the primal path. That was the, that was what I called this thing with my son. And people are like, oh, that sounds like, you know, you want to eat meat and take your shirt off. I was like, hey, you know, I don't know how to tell you this. 13 year old boys are not motivated by sophisticated adult language. Yeah. Okay. They're like, they want to feel like it's got some, some energy to it. So it's called the primal path. My wife pulled me aside and said, you know that a lot of this stuff is true for women too. 
And I said, the number one way to demotivate a young man is tell him, this is generic universal wisdom. Mm. You're not special. This is just stuff that girls know too. And I said, that's not the point. It's the framing of it that is important. So, yeah, a lot of this stuff is, it's just like helping adolescents move into adulthood in a healthy way. But there is definitely some things um, that, a specific for men. Although I know it's a, a, a different conversation, but you're doing a similar but different thing with your daughter, right? Yes, it's really interesting. I, I This I did with my son. I did it for six years, and people said that so long. I was like, but I had him the whole time. <laughs> like, do you want me to do a year and then give up on him and then wing it for five years? I yeah. was like, I just worked with the time I had. My daughter, I had you know, a wonderful relationship with my daughter, but she like had a very different personality. She's very driven, very conscientious, very internally motivated. So to be honest with you, like my wife did a version of this with my daughter. If she turns that into a thing or not, I don't know. That's up to her. She doesn't like that's not. She doesn't feel called to it like I did. Yeah. So, but I knew like I've got to play a significant role in deciphering my daughter. So I did like a one year intensive. And um, that was like the 50 things of like, you've got to have this in your heart before you leave our house. Mm. So we did like a lot of the stuff, but it was in a compressed time frame. But in some ways it was like more intense. So yeah, at some point I'll put that out. But what my daughter wanted from me was very, very different than what my son wanted from me. And uh, again, my wife played a major role in deciphering my daughter. Yeah. Go back. You mentioned the five kind of fathers. Yeah. Go back and kind of tell us what those are real quick. A lot of this was just like observation, a lot of it primarily in my pastoring. There's five kinds of uh, fathers. They all start with I because I'm a pastor. And if I don't, if I don't, love if I don't alliterate, it's like, what are you doing with it? It doesn't work. It doesn't even work. true. Make it memorable. <laughs> so the first father is like an irresponsible father. And this is like a dad who just fails, does not accept the sacred responsibility of bringing someone into the world made in the image of God who relies on them for a sense of purpose and identity, just fails. We obviously know statistically, personally, sociologically, the amount of damage that an absent dad. And I talk about ignorant dads. These are dads who like don't know what they're doing and they don't really want to know. They just prescribe, well, when I was your age and you should figure this out. They have, they have no empathy, no emotional connection. They don't understand the goal of fatherhood. Then you get inconsistent dads. These are dads who are torn often with either personal brokenness or ambition. So they're in or out, but they're not fully committed to the task of fatherhood. You know who Anthony Bourdain is, the famous Mm. chef, and uh, he was from New York. He was a big deal there. I watched the documentary about the end of his life, trying to ask the question, why did he commit suicide? And one of the things was in there, he had his daughter later in life in a second marriage, and he wanted to be such an ideal dad that he couldn't sustain it. And then he was traveling so much, so Mm. driven to make his own TV show. He got into this cycle of dysfunction of like, if I can't be the perfect dad, I'm going to be a disappointment. So I withdraw. But now I'm withdrawing and traveling. I love this, but I feel guilty and did a lot of damage. Just like a torn heart in parenting. That's the inconsistent dad. Then you've got involved dads. This is like your typical good American dad, you know, like doing the sex talk, going to the game, just handing out, with good intent, generic Christian wisdom and worldview. And if you've had a good dad, you know that that it can change your life, accelerate your call. It's an extraordinary thing. But my dad was an involved dad. But an intentional dad goes one step farther and they ask this, who is the kid that God has given me? What is the key to their heart? Mm. And it's beyond general wisdom and worldview. So I'll give you an example. My whole life I've had like the equivalent of a dominant personality, outgoing leader, But my entire life, I've struggled with 
insecurity, not pride. I'm a reluctant leader. I'm the guy you drag to the mic, not the guy you fight to get it from my hand. I was super gifted as a kid, athletics and academics. And so my dad's advice to me always was like, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant. God is opposed to the proud. Don't be arrogant. And that's true. But if he'd known my heart, which Mm -hmm. is a heart of insecurity, he would have always said to me, have courage, never fail to step up. Like level up, you're needed, your gifts are welcome. He would have actually said the opposite thing. So the general wisdom was true based on the surface observation, and it was good generic parenting. Yeah. But he didn't understand the key to my heart, which is like I got to inspire confidence in my son, not deal with a pride issue. And so the intentional father asked the question, what is the key to my son's heart? How do I get it? And then how do I develop them out of that? Mm. So that's my vision is to help dads. And my guess is like listening to like your audience. If you're listening to a show about this, you're probably yeah. an involved parent. And my goal is to just help push and inspire that to the next level. Because I think, you know, the joy of being understood as a young man by your father is one of the greatest gifts you can have. And I want to see that normalized in our world today. David Ann Wilson, along with Bob Lapine and their team, for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Need help building that heart-to-heart communication between you and your preteen while laying a foundation of purity that will prepare them for the turbulent years ahead? Check out Passport to Purity on our website, families.powertochange.org.au, under the Resources tab. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.